Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, 24 Sound. 24 Sound is technically an audio production company, but they're way more than that. They're there to help you grow your business from audiobooks to podcasts and everything in between. They're flawless as sound engineers and they're strategic as business partners. Visit them at 24sound.com. You can also email them at hello at 24sound.com. And of course, as a best ever listener, you'll get a best ever discount. Mention best ever and you'll get a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Nick Kesey. Hi, Nick. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Going well. And thanks a lot for joining us. Nick is joining us from Detroit, Michigan. Actually, he's based in Novi, Michigan, about 30 minutes from Detroit. He's the founder of Nile Capital, which is focused on multifamily investing. He is a real estate investor who has property in the Detroit area, and he is a fourth generation real estate investor. So Nick, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more background on where you are coming from and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. And uh, first, Joe, I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity and the chance to speak with the best ever listeners. Um, As you mentioned, I am a fourth generation real estate investor. My family has been in the business since the middle 1960s. So they've been primarily buy and hold investors in Florida and Ohio. And they've also self-managed every single deal that they ever did. So growing up in the family that I did, I was in the business from a very, very young age. Anything that you could think of to run an apartment building, a single family rental, uh, anything like that, I've at least assisted with some time in my life, whether showings, collecting rents, uh, even evictions, doing yard work, anything you can think of, I've at least uh, done some in my life. So I'm very, very thankful for that opportunity. And uh, one quick story that I was going to actually share with you today is, you know, kind of growing up in my family that I did, I remember one time I was probably about 12 or 13 years old. And I was with my dad at a four unit apartment building that he owned. And I specifically remember he said, do you think you will ever be in the business someday? And at that time I was young and I said, absolutely not. I think you're crazy. <laughs> And fast forward to today, obviously, I'm in the business. But at the time, I didn't understand real estate. All I understood was I had to cut grass and do painting and just the dirty work associated with it. And I didn't really understand what it really meant. So kind of, you know, going into the transition even to today, it kind of started when I was in college. I specifically remember my junior year of college, I was... I was doing well in school. I really enjoyed it, but I was kind of searching. I knew that I didn't want to be like everybody else, and I couldn't quite put my finger on what that was. But as a little bit of time went on, I realized that it was entrepreneurship and owning my own business. And at that point, I didn't really know what that would mean for me. I tried everything you can think of. I tried making sports memorabilia items and selling them on Amazon and eBay, and that never really took off. And then I I tried selling discounted gift cards on a website. That didn't really take off. So I was just really searching. And I still remember my spring break of my junior year, I went to my local library and just grabbed as many books on real estate investing as I possibly could find. And I just read the entire week. And that was like the light bulb moment. That's when... 
everything started to click for me. And I saw real life examples of how people had portfolios into the millions and millions of dollars. And it just was like, oh, that's how that works. So that was kind of the turning point for me and kind of what's even gotten me to where I am today. When you were working in the family business, you were doing all different aspects of the management because as you mentioned, your family was investing in properties, Florida and Ohio, and they were self-managing. What are some of the aspects of the management process that you found surprising? Um, Surprising, I would say, I think people make it out to be harder than what it is. You know, when people do their first deal many times, they think, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to manage a tenant? But really, if you do, you know, proper tenant screening and you are on the ball with maintenance items, things like that, it's really not that difficult. It's just, it could still just be a pain, you know, when you get phone calls at night and, you know, oh, such and such is leaking or, you know, my next door neighbor is making too much noise. Things like that could be annoying. But if you really have proper procedures in place, then it really is not that bad. Based on your experience being a fourth generation real estate investor, having investment property yourself and being actively involved in the multifamily business, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice ever is never close on a property if at closing you think that something is not right or you know that something is not right. So, of course, there's a story behind that one. And the story is my first deal that I did uh, was a rental home deal. And the mortgage that I got for this deal was actually written incorrectly. So the mortgage originator I was working with accidentally wrote the mortgage for me to live in the property instead of to use it as a rental home. So as you know, there are different terms and clauses, things like that that go along with uh, different types of mortgages. And the biggest one was it said that I had to live in the property for a minimum of one year before I could move out or before I could rent it. So, you know, that was clearly a problem. And I didn't even realize that it was written incorrectly until one week before closing. And I contacted the mortgage guy I was working with and I was freaking out because, you know, I knew it was incorrect. And he told me to just go forward and it should not be a big deal. And, you know, we'll just get the deal done. And I didn't realize at the time that that was a terrible, terrible advice. And I just you know, <laughs> finished the deal anyway. And the very next day, I called the lender and explained the whole situation, told them what happened. And they went on to say that it might be mortgage fraud. They might have to investigate with the FBI. They've never had this happen before. So they were freaking out and just a terrible, terrible uh, situation to be in. And to make a very long story short, I had to refinance that mortgage with a brand new mortgage and have to pay closing costs and all of that that goes along with a new mortgage. I had to pay all of that over again. And, you know, going back, I'm kind of glad that it happened just because it was such a great learning experience that I can now share with other people as well. But yeah, that was that's my best advice ever is never close unless you know everything is correct. Have you looked at the Guinness Book of World Records to see if that's the world's fastest refinance? <laughs> I, I should, shouldn't I? I my mortgage, the new guy, we did it in about a month and a half. And, you know, he was he was great. The new guy was. And yeah, it, it might be a record somewhere. I have to look into that. <laughs> <laughs> the the takeaway there is is I mean, one of them is very clear, and that's if the paperwork isn't jiving with what you know it should be, then stop the presses. Um what was 
at the time, and I know you have a different mentality now, but at the time, what was driving you to overlook that and just continue to close? I think it was that the original mortgage uh, lender that I was working with told me that it was fine. And I didn't know any better. I just said, you know, assumed, oh, well, he's the professional in the situation. And you know, I'll just trust him because he's been doing this a long time. And now looking back, I realized he just wanted to get it done. You know, he just wanted to get paid and move on and not have to put any extra work into it. And I just I didn't realize it at the time. But now, you know, since this has happened, obviously, if something's not correct, I don't care who you are, but it it has to be fixed. (laughs) It reminds me of the study. I forget what it's called. And, you know, best of your listener will will know this, but where the people in uniform uh, have their the patients uh, flip a switch and like reach a certain level of pain to someone else and on the other end the, the other person's screaming and it's like the other the the person in uniforms like it's okay uh, this is normal and the person on the line, other end they can't see them but they're just screaming in pain it's like that's okay this is how it's supposed to be it's like well it's just the the person of in a position of authority is telling you it's okay. So it's like, oh, okay. Even though your spotty senses are tingling and it's like, I don't know about this. And, uh, you know, I, I think one thing that I've personally seen in very similar situation, whenever I was closing on a 168 unit community, like two years ago, I was doing it through a master lease with option to purchase. And the lender had in the document that they had to give written approval in order for uh, a master lease to be put on the property. And the broker was wanting to close on it, wanting to, and everybody's wanting to close on it. And it was one of the most terrifying, terrifying moments of my real estate investing career to go to the closing table when everyone is, was expecting to close and say, actually, I found in this contract, black and white, that we have to get written approval by the lender. Well, fast forward a month and a half, and we still hadn't gotten written approval. It took about two months to actually get written approval from the lender. And, you know, I've got investors who have their money in escrow. And it was it was something, first of all, I should have found prior to that. So it shouldn't have taken me so long. But thankfully, I did stop the presses because otherwise, you know, we'll have over a million bucks uh, that is can easily be you know negated and is kind of out in limbo if we enter into a falsy agreement. So uh, I think it's a fantastic lesson to learn on your first deal on your single family home, because now you're going to apply that advice and the best ever listeners are going to apply that advice to, you know, their deals. And I think that's great to share. Yeah, absolutely. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. A quick word from our best ever sponsor. Best ever listeners. If you want to grow your business, you need an audio product. Contact 24 sound at 24 sound.com for a free consultation. And remember, you'll get 20% off your first product just by mentioning Best Ever. Best Ever book you've read? I was preparing for this question, and it's such a hard question because I love reading and I love so many. <laughs> so I'm going to throw a couple really quick books. Oh, okay. You're cheating, <laughs> That's but okay. okay. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Number one, I'll say the Bible. Number two, rich dad, poor dad. Number three, commercial real estate investing 101. And number four, secrets of the millionaire mind by T. Harv Ecker. I'm sorry for all of them. <laughs> who who uh, who wrote commercial real estate 101? That was Dave Lindahl, co-written with Donald Trump. And it's kind of an overview book, but it's kind of, you know, the book that got me interested in commercial real estate right off the bat. So I have to give it credit for kind of getting me in that direction. Nice. I, uh, I haven't read that one or the, the uh, last one. That, uh, that's interesting. And best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of books like those. All right, Nick, best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. When I was younger, especially, I had a couple, I I guess you'd call them dead end type jobs, as I'm sure maybe you can uh, relate to or maybe some of the listeners can relate to as well. And, you know, I I worked at a grocery store for a while and I washed dishes at a restaurant. Admittedly, that lasted a full day. (laughs) However, I still I, I look back on those times and I learned such a huge lesson because in those positions, I felt like I was in such a small box as far as what I could do for people and the value that I could add to other people because I was told, do this, do this, don't do that. And that's pretty much it. And that's why I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship is because I believe that really anybody, you get paid for how much value you add to other people and how much you can help other people. And you know, as an entrepreneur, you aren't really put into any box. You can do really whatever you want and add value in as many ways as you can. So, you know, just kind of looking back on those days of those early jobs, just thinking back on how much value I could add then compared to now. And it's just something I will always remember. Best ever success habit you practice. I have a vision board right next to my desk. So all that is, is a cork board. And I have a couple pictures, uh, numbers, just different dreams of mine pinned to that. And I wake up every day. I look at it every time I'm you know, doing any type of work. It's right next to me. And it's just such a good reminder for me of why I do what I do. I as well have a vision board and I I put it on my phone, on my desktop, on my computer, and then I have it laminated on my wall in my bedroom. So it is like everywhere (laughs) all the time with me. I love that. Best ever deal you've done. My best ever deal was my first deal. And the reason I say that is because there are so many complete beginning real estate investors out there. And I feel like the first deal is the hardest deal to do. And of course, you can't get to the second and the third, the fourth and so on until you do that first deal. So I feel like for me, that was the most important one because it got me going and got me even to the position where I am today. Best ever quote. I know a couple of people on the show in the past have mentioned this quote, but it is by far my favorite quote of all time. It is Henry Ford. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I just love it because it's all about mindset. And I just try to live as much as my of my life around that as I possibly can. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? And we probably already talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> we did talk about it in the closing situation was my biggest mistake. But, you know, kind of touching on a little bit from a different angle, I just I feel fortunate for it because as we talked about, you know, I learned so much from it. And, you know, it's just something that no matter what happens in the rest of my career, I always have that memory. And, you know, as as Napoleon Hill talks about in Think and Grow Rich, you know, he talks about if you have the proper mindset in any negative situation, you can find positives and find ways to learn and grow from them. So that's just how I treat that whole thing now, you know, moving forward is just 
changing my mindset to look at it as a positive and say, man, I'm so glad that happened because this is what I learned from it. And it's, it's helped me a ton. When you seek a meaning out, you will find a meaning and whether it is a empowering meaning or not is up to you. And I, I love your approach and your mentality. Yeah, thank you. It's so important going forward as any type of entrepreneur. The mindset is just so important. Yeah, and it sounds so fluffy. It does, <laughs> but it's it's so darn true. What's the best ever place to reach you? I will give you a couple. You can find me on my website, which is NileCap, N-I-L-E-C-A-P.com. You can search my name on LinkedIn. You can email me, N-K-E-E-S-E-E at yahoo.com. Or you could give me a phone call, 419 419- Four six seven two six two two. Thank you so much, Nick, for being on the show. And best ever listeners, go to besteversurvey.com. Enter to win Brandon Turner's book, Investing in Real Estate with No and Low Money Down. It's an ebook, and I'm giving away seven of them over the course of December uh, for anyone who enters their info and helps me understand a little bit more about you so that I can customize the guests and the content for you and what you want. So thanks so much, Nick, for being on the show. Much appreciated your story of getting started and what you've learned as a fourth generation real estate investor and uh, we know what you're focused on now with multifamily. It's great to hear. And I'm sure that the best ever listeners got a lot out of it. So thanks a lot. Yeah. And thank you for having me. And it was a pleasure being with you and the best ever listeners. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to joefairless.com where there are tons of free videos, templates and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on joefairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.